Hey everyone, it's Ella, your host of the Lemon Said Podcast, a platform dedicated to supporting you by discussing all things related to managing your health, wellness, and fitness journey, no matter how many lemons life throws at you. This episode is sponsored by Avo Maria, a holistic skincare line to address skin imbalances with an extraordinary ability to nourish your skin and soul. As a lawyer listener, Avo Maria is offering you 15% off its entire skincare line. Visit avomariawellness.com today to redeem your promotion code LEMONADE15 at checkout. That's lemon aid one Trigger warning, the following episode may include explicit content, including but not limited to profanity. If you are 18 or under or with children, we recommend you tune in at a later time. Welcome to our third episode. Today, we have sensei, which is Japanese for teacher or wise one. The sensei was born in Ottawa, raised in Mississauga, Ontario, where he currently pursues his career as a realtor and head instructor for Bushido Jiu-Jitsu and Mixed Martial Arts. He is passionate about helping people find their dream homes and financial security through his expertise. Not only did Sensei survive the most tumultuous time of his life battling testicular cancer in his 30s, but he also proceeded to learn his first black belt, became a loving father of three beautiful children, and is now engaged to his beautiful and creative partner in life. Before I give his complete story away, I'd like to introduce you to Tyler Pine. Thank you so much, Tyler, for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. It was, I'm, I'm so excited to hear your story. We've we've known each other for a few years, but there's so much I don't know. Yeah. So I'm excited to jump into it. Okay. <laughs> First, we're going to get started with some rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, I'm ready. No need I to contemplate. This. Just yes. say whatever is at the top of your head. Fuck. All right, let's go. Go to karaoke song. Oh, that one's easy. Faith. Most annoying celebrity. <sighs> Kim Kardashian. 100% every day. I can't tell you how many times we've gotten that of one course, already. She's the most annoying celebrity. <laughs> like you, you, there's, it, you know, there's a point where you just can't help it. <laughs> Guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. <sighs> Marijuana, I suppose. Yeah. Really guilty about it. Yeah. Sometimes I am. <laughs> you know what? I grew up in a very like uh conservative family mm. And my mom was completely against it. Mm. And so, like, my friends weren't, and I always felt bad, you know? And so I never really did it then. And now that I have kids and shit, I feel like I, I refuse, I won't do it unless they're sleeping and calm. <laughs> and I'll be like, all right, now I can relax. So, yeah, I feel guilty sometimes, you know? Fair. So I guess we're hoping that your mom doesn't watch this podcast episode. Yeah, fuck that, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't care anymore. <laughs> Introvert or extrovert? Uh, extrovert, yeah, 100%. Greatest strength? Uh, putting up with people's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> when life throws you lemons? Uh, I put it in the freezer, freeze it, take it out, and whip it right back at it. That's a great answer. <laughs> yeah. Throw it back harder than it came at me. <laughs> All right. So now that everyone's gotten to know Tyler a little bit, we're little all warmed bit. up. Yeah. We're going to get into the meat of this interview. Okay. I'm ready. What are you most passionate about? 
you know, a couple years ago, I would have said uh, martial arts, right? I would have, I would have, hundred percent, it would have been jujitsu. But now it's my kids. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it is. It, it's truly, it's my kids. I was honestly about to say, what could be more important to you than martial arts? Yeah. That makes total sense. And that's so sweet. Um, For the record, how many kids do you have now? Three. Three kids. I can't believe it. I know. My daughters are (laughs) nine and six, and my son's just about to turn five. I can't believe he's already five. Where did I feel like you just had him? Yeah. (laughs) He's, he's, he he talks like he's 15, though. You know, it's funny because. I'll be sometimes sitting with him and I'm having a whole on conversation with this kid. And then I look at him like, what the fuck? He's five. I'm having a conversation with a five-year-old. <laughs> like, it's so weird, you know? He does seem very intelligent based on what you post on social media. He's, but he's think, a smart kid. He's going to be a handful. Yeah, well, he's surrounded by intelligent people. He has two older sisters, you yeah. and your wife, to be. Yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. congratulations. Okay, we have to hear the engagement story. <laughs> So the engagement story, basically, I I held it off for as long as I could because, you know, like the divorce being what it was, cost a lot of money, took forever, got dragged out. And emotionally, it was very draining for Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. And I wanted to basically get all of that dealt with before I went forward. And when the pandemic hit, it slowed everything down. Like the courts are so slow right now. Right. They're backed up. And I just, I didn't want to wait any longer, you know? And I had these goals I'd set in my life that I wanted to deal with. And we kind of, I, I hit those goals, you know, I wanted, I wanted my three kids, you know, I wanted, I wanted a son. I wanted my daughters and I wanted a house with her. And we did that. And I was like, where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. You know, like, the divorce isn't finalized yet, but I don't want to put off showing her how much she means to me. Right. You know, like I don't want her thinking that I'm just kind of living with her and holding her aside, you know? So he makes the ring and he, I paid it off in installments. It took me about two years to pay off the ring, right? Because I didn't, one, I didn't want her to see the money going out, right? right? And uh, two, because of everything else that was going on, I didn't want to take too much money at any given time because, you know, being in the career that I'm in, um, you have to kind of like hold money in case yes. things don't happen, yes. you know, cause it's not always like going, going, going. Right. So I finally got the ring and I wanted to do it at a TFC game. Aww. So this was in 2019. I had the ring in 2019 and they waited for, they were trying to get permission for the 2020 season mm. and then everything shut down, <sighs> you know, and everything shut down. And as soon as everything shut down, I was like, well, I don't want to get engaged in a pandemic. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to ask this girl to marry me in my backyard. You know what I mean? Like by ourselves, it's weird. And so I kept waiting and waiting and then two years go by and this ring's just sitting in my room oh no i'm surprised she hasn't found it (laughs) yeah she's messy man and she doesn't even touch my side of the closet like my closet's like pristine right (laughs) hers looks like a bomb went off you know like and so i hid it in hers because i knew she'd never find it you know like (laughs) i like i like put it way up high where she couldn't find it in an area that i know she's never gonna go and so i was like all right it's up there and 
when the pandemic finalized, I started messaging my, my, my rep with TFC to be like, Hey, I want to get back on this. I want to find a way to do it. And they're like, we can't do it. No. I'm like, what do you mean? We can't do it. They're like, yeah, we've changed. They've changed all their rules. We've got new sponsorship rules. Cause what I was going to do was I was going to have her called down during halftime. Oh, right. That was so and she was going to do like one of these kick kicking, you know, kick, kick in, try and get a kick. And then she was going to, obviously miss because she couldn't kick a soccer ball no matter what she tried right <laughs> and i was going to be down on one knee behind her Aww. and it was going to be in front of the whole stadium that was the plan and that was the plan back in 2019 right and so when i we put it forward the the head office said no we can't do that anymore sponsorships this that we don't allow that thing in our stadium all that crap right and i'm like holy fuck so now what am i gonna do you know and all my friends were supposed to come to the game that we we're gonna do it so I put it off and I was like, all right, well, I'm tired of waiting, you know? And it was her birthday was coming up. A good buddy of mine had just opened a new place downtown Toronto, right? Called Mademoiselle. And I was like, bro, I'm going to do this at your place. It's her birthday. She's not going to expect it. Let's do it. Perfect. So he's like, done. I got you. So they got, they got all these, they got like, dozens and dozens of flowers for her Aww. oh yeah they had the whole thing done up they had you know like uh but she's a thinking this is the, all for her birthday yeah, no she didn't even see the that didn't come out till after oh okay so it's just me and her it's just me her and her, one of her and her best friend and we're there and then what happened was the music changed and so we had a, we had a, we had a song come on um that signaled the crowd to come and so what happened is they all came in, right? Like all the, uh, everyone came in with these signs for her birthday. And so it said, you know, happy birthday, right? And then it said, but, so we had custom signs made, but he has a question for you. And then she's like, what, what is happening? And then <laughs> that's when I went down on one knee and she started bawling. Oh. Right? And then, asked. yeah, and then they came out and then they came out with the, then they came out with the flowers and they came out with the firecrackers on the bottles and everything. And it was a whole, it was a whole thing. I love it. You know it. who was, PK Subban was there. No. Yep. He was at your engagement. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> he was, it, was, it was crazy, <laughs> man. Cause he's like friends. Cause my buddy, he knows like everybody from the NHL, right? So like he knows all these guys. So they're always at his restaurant. So he was there, he was taking videos and it was funny cause her best friend forgot to press record. <laughs> Like she knew it was going to happen and I, I had given her my phone earlier under the table and she was supposed to record the whole thing and she forgot to press record. Good thing PK so I got a, was I got there. A, well, PK got me the video. <laughs> Thanks, PK. Yeah. So. That's an amazing story. Yeah. I'm glad it happened. Yeah. I mean, both, both ways you planned it sounded amazing, but I think the best part is now that you guys are engaged. Yes. Have you set any wedding dates yet? Um, yeah, we're, we haven't yet. We're hoping to do it sometime next year. We're looking at venues right now, trying to get it all planned out, but Amazing. it's a whole, it's a whole thing. For sure. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear it about it all. So I'd like to ask you what you're most grateful for in life is. Um, but I recognize that there are a lot of things in your life that you can be grateful for. And later on, we'll get into some things that you might not be so grateful for. And I want to get into um, challenges a little bit later on. Okay. But based on where you are right now, how would you answer that question? Well, it's such a loaded question, you know, because 
it, it's hard for me to kind of pick any one thing in my life that I'm grateful for. Um, you know, I'm grateful for my career. I'm grateful for my kids. Um, I don't know. I, 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 it's, I, I don't know how to answer that, to be honest. You know, like, I, I really don't. Like, I just, I have so many things, like, friends, family, you know, things in my life that, that make me happy to be, you know, living and still here with everybody, you know? And so I'm kind of grateful for all of it. Right. You know? And I love that answer. And um, I want to hear from you based on your, you know, your personal experiences and your, and your life journey. Yeah. What got you to a point where you can actually appreciate everything that you have today? No, oh, that's a hard, yeah. Uh, why, I, where do I start? You know, I, I, way back. yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody's going to have trauma in their life, right? Everybody of some kind, whether, you know, it's, it's small trauma or large trauma. Everybody still feels whatever trauma they've gone through is a lot. You know, and never to take away any from anybody, but you know, childhood trauma is really where it started for me. You know, I had a lot of my parents did the best they could. Mm -hmm. They were very strict parents, right? Um, especially my mom, and uh, you know, it, it was the '90s, and well, '80s, '90s. You know, and she tried, I guess, to kind of put her anger aside as best she could but you know my mom my mom she, she was she, I, and I don't want to call her out that way but you know there was things she did when we were growing up that most parents nowadays couldn't even fathom doing to their children mm. you know what I mean well I mean they didn't know what they didn't know back then yeah it's different it's a different environment and different generation now it, it is a different generation now you know and my my mom my mom was my my my, my mom my mom dealt with a heavy hand you know right and when you grow up that way, you tend to have anger issues that you don't realize you have. Mm. And I tend to t take that out on people sometimes, you know, when I was younger. Um, growing up, you look back on that and, you know, you, you have regret for doing certain things to people growing up. And it's not to say that, like, I went around beating the shit out of everybody and anybody, you know, I wasn't a bully or anything, but I know there was times where my anger uh, probably came out in the wrong way to some people, you know, and, um, but at another end, there was also, you know, I was also very good at, you know, controlling that and defending and protecting my friends and family as well, right? So when you get older, you kind of look back on your life and you're like, okay, you know, I'm grateful that I'm able to grow from that, mm -hmm. you know, and not in turn take that same approach to the way I raise my children, you know, and then when you get that trauma and then the next thing happens, you know, and then you get sick, you know, so you, you, you realize like you're not invincible anymore, mm -hmm. you know, like life is, life is fleeting and you only have so much time here and that something so small could just take that away from you. Right. You know, and it makes you look at everything else around you completely different. Agreed. You know, like, fuck, just ordering a, I'm grateful just to be able to order a fucking pizza. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just to be able to sit down and have a fucking beer. You're alive to do it. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm grateful the fact that there's all these things in life that you, you always took for granted growing up. 
And now after having the scare that I had, you kind of like, it, it means that much more to you, yeah. you know? And, and you take it a lot. You, you try not to take everything for granted, you know, like being able to go to Italy, you know, like I was grateful that I got to do that in my life, right. you know, having my kids and seeing how happy and healthy they are, you know, being part of their lives still that like, I can't, I can't explain it to anyone until they're in that situation. You know, that the thought of not being there for my kids almost destroyed me. You know, like it did, it, it was hard, Yeah. you know, um, having the martial art journey that I've had in my life, I'm grateful for that. You know, I'm grateful to have found a career that allows me the time to spend with my children, to spend training martial arts, you know, meeting people like you, you know, like that, I, I, you can't put a price on that. You know what I mean? Like people come and go in your life and my career kind of brings those people into my life and I get to pick who I do business with now, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so when I say like, I'm kind of grateful for all of it, I am because I look at everything so much differently, you know? I love that. You know, you know what I mean? Because I it. just, it's that journey that leads to this point in life where you're like, everything I do whether it's driving my car a little too fast on a sunny day, you know, or, or whether it's, you know, finding a new song from a band I've never heard of, or, you know, it's, it's just sitting outside on a nice sunny day, having an espresso, you know what I mean? Like it, it's those little things in life that make life so special that you're grateful for it. Amazing. You know, Tyler, does that make sense? It makes so much okay. sense to me, but I've been through something similar, but yeah. the way you describe it, it just, it, resonates with me in a different way you're just you're you're preaching and i i feel it yeah but in a way i could never articulate in my past um so thank you for that i think you just described it for a lot of people who've been through trauma yeah because it, it's just it's just there's this light switch you know yeah and you kind of you're kind of like this through life and then all of a sudden something happens and it just opens your mind and how you see and perceive everything after that point in time yeah you know and what I went through wasn't like, how do I put this? The doctor always said like, if you're, if you're going to get a cancer, that's the cancer you want. You know what I mean? What kind did you Testicular. Have? Testicular. Okay. Right. And so they're like, if you're, if, and because I found it so early, it was, it, it was a very easy thing for them to get rid of. And how old were you and what stage was it at? Um, it was stage three. And I was, well, it was, it was, it was 2019. Oh, it was fairly recent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was only a couple years ago. Yeah. So we just moved to a new house in Oakville and right after the move and I, we, I decide, I don't know why, like you fucking late thirties and I'm deciding I'm going to move a house. <laughs> why not? You know, like my back was sore for like three weeks. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> fuck. you know, like anyways, but. We, we moved and I wasn't feeling well. Like I felt really drained for, and I'm not usually that drained. Mm -hmm. And I felt a lump and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it was sore. And I'm like, okay, I've had cysts before, you know, and I knew that wasn't what it was. And so are we talking about this now? Or yeah. does it matter? Yeah, oh, no, okay, it doesn't okay, matter. Okay, Go okay, for okay. it. Okay. And so like I, I'd said to, I'd said to Shannon, I said like, I, I think something's wrong. Like I, I know 
I know my nuts, you know, like that there, this isn't supposed to be there and it, and it's sore. And she goes, oh, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's nothing. I'm like, no, this is different. I know something's it different. It felt different, looked I just, different. Every, everything was different, you know, mm. like, and so I called the doctor and I went to the doctor and they're like, oh, don't worry about it. The doctor said that. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. You know, don't be too, don't be too paranoid. You're too young for that. And I said, look, I'm telling you, this isn't right. Cause I've had, I have a cyst and I've had it since I was like 14 and it's the same. It's never hurt. It's never grown. It's never been anything. Right. I said, this is different. Like, okay, well, if it'd make you feel better, we'll send you for an ultrasound. I said, yes, let's do it. So I get an ultrasound and I'm like, where's the closest ultrasound? I want this done today. Right. And so I went down the street, I got the ultrasound and I said to the ultrasound lady, I'm like, I want you to send this to my doctor ASAP. I don't want this like next day bullshit. Like I want to know immediately. I need to know because I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't think about anything else. Right. And so the next day the doctor calls me and she's like, we need to get you to an, uh, an oncologist right away. And I'm like, fuck off. Take your time. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it hits you, you know, and it's like, you're like, nah, this can't be happening to me. But I knew, I knew something was wrong. And so I go to the oncologist and the oncologist is like, look, it is what you think it is. We, we need to, we need to remove your testicle. Fuck. Right. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? They're like, look, do you have kids? I'm like, yeah, I got, I got three. They're like, okay, then you're fine. They're like, you don't worry about it. Like if you're, if there's any cancer that you can get, it's this one, but we need to know how far along it is. So. They took it out and I went for an MRI. Sorry, man. I went for an MRI and they said, look, one of your lymph nodes is swollen too. So now we need to put you on a, uh, every six months we need to check you, right? So I went in and it, and it went in and the doctor looks at me and he goes, by the way, since I'm going to be in there, do you want to, you know, just kind of clean it off, right? So like you can't have kids anymore, right? And, and like basically get a vasectomy at the same time. And, and Shannon's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> she goes, I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet. We might, I might want a second kid. And I looked at her. I'm like, I, I, I don't have four kids. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really handle three, right? I'm like, all right, fine. We'll talk about it. I'm not even lying to you. Three months later, she's like, yeah, I don't want another kid. Okay. So I had to go get it. So I went back to the oncologist. Also, I'm you like, had to do two yeah. treatments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but you know like better safe than sorry better safe than sorry but you know like when they took when they when i did the surgery i was on bed rest for a couple weeks and it was right before halloween so like this all happened with i'm not even kidding within a month wow so from so they, they rushed you oh yeah so from from diagnosis to removal was three weeks wow from when i found it to it was about about a month right and I remember because I, I thought I was going to be okay. And I decided I was going to take, because it was Halloween. I'm like, I don't care if I'm limping, I'm going out with my kids. Like I'm taking my kids trick-or-treating. Well, that was a bad idea. Oh no. Yeah. I, I popped, I popped some stitches. It got infected. Oh, no. I had to go back into the hospital. I had to get it refixed and all this. It was a whole nightmare. I ended up being in bed rest for after that for over a month. And they had to send a nurse in. And that's because of the infection. Yeah, it was because of the infection. Yeah. Okay. Oh my yeah. goodness. 
And then for and then ever since I've been doing uh, my my CT scans so like every six months, and I just just uh, two months ago got the word that I'm clear, hundred percent. Amazing. Yeah. So the lymph nodes back down. They've Good. got no. There's no traces of it. Good. So now I'm down to a one year. So it, and they said because of my age, because it was because it was stage three. They said there still could be some that have gotten into your bloodstream. And so we have to check you every year now. And how are you feeling now? Fine. Good. Yeah, I feel good. Good. And I feel grateful. Good. You know? Yeah. I'm I'm so happy to hear this. I actually didn't, even though I knew you in that period, but I didn't know this was happening. Yeah, and a lot this, of people, a lot of people didn't. Yeah. Thank you so much for being transparent and sharing it with us. I think it can help a lot of people and inspire people to talk about what you're going through because that's how you build your support network. Yeah. Um, did you feel that you had the support that you needed while going through it? Uh, I did. Um, and I had Shannon and that was all I needed. Right. She was good. She was there by my side. She took care of me. I know my mom came for a little bit and uh, help out with the kids for one weekend. Um, but Shannon, Shannon was amazing. Good. Yeah. I'm so happy that you have the support that you need. Um, how is it from an emotional and mental perspective? Uh, in what in what point? Like, did it change me emotionally? When you were actually going through treatment from yeah. when you found out, when you were diagnosed up until everything being clear, what was your mental health like and what was your emotional state going through all of that? You know, even though the doctor told me that it was like the best cancer to get, hearing that it was cancer and that it was like stage three mm -hmm. was still really hard for me. Absolutely. You know, and there, there, was, there was no way for me to really explain that to anyone. You know, and I know there's far worse cancers to get. I get that. But just, just hearing the fact that you got cancer, it almost broke me. Yeah. But when I came home and I saw my kids and I had to be strong for them and I couldn't let them know that I was upset, you kind of just push through it. So I didn't really think about it. You know, like I just thought you kept I have to do whatever I can to get healthy so that I'm here for them no matter what. You know, like I have to make sure that I don't ever let this take me down right and i have to i just you just have to push through it it's the mental fortitude that you just have to have this episode is sponsored by mishfit lifestyle coaching mishfit prioritizes your mental health along your fitness journey mental strength determines physical results because any and every success starts with your mindset visit at mishfit underscore lifestyle underscore coaching on Instagram today and DM her with promo code LEMONADE10. That's LEMONAID10 for 10% off Mishfit's personal training package. This offer is for a limited time only, so get started on your fitness and mental wellness goals today. Did at any point in time you felt like giving up? No. Good for you. No, never. Good for you. Never. It's, it's really, really hard to push through something like that. But I think your resiliency and just your personality is what got you through it. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you bury yourself in work. You bury yourself in activities. You bury yourself in this. And, you know, it was funny because it was <laughs> right after I healed, 
like right after I healed, which was like late January by the time I was actually physically able to kind of do anything again. Mm -hmm. Three months later, they shut us down. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, COVID. (laughs) Oh my goodness. How did you push through emotionally? Did you pick up new habits? Did you talk to Shannon more? No. Did you spend more time with your kids? What was it that really kept you emotionally positive? Just doing the things I enjoy, you know, just, you know, like I wouldn't say that I did more of anything than I was doing before. I just kept doing what I was doing. So you kept life as normal as possible. Exactly. You know, like. I, I kept I kept going to class. I kept teaching class. I kept doing things with my kids. I kept taking them out, going movies, watching movies, you know, playing video games or whatever it is that I felt like doing at the time. I just did it. You know, I, I didn't let myself have a pity party so that I just sat in a corner crying. You know, like I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, because I didn't ever want to catch. I didn't. You know, Shannon. Shannon can be very emotional, and stress and anxiety can get the better of her. And I didn't, I figured if, if she sees me, you know, being upset and not being able to control it, I don't think she could have controlled it, mm. you know? And so I knew I had to be strong for her and I knew I had to be strong for the kids. So I just, I just, I just did me. I'm just like taken aback because I can't, I've always known how strong you were as a person, yeah. but this is just a whole other level of strength and that I didn't know any person could have. But kudos to you for being able to get through all that and staying strong for the entire family. It's it's not easy. It's not it's not easy. There, yeah, I mean, there, there's times where, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, I wish I could just like not. Right. You know? And then you're like, nah, I don't want to do that. Right. You know, like, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go have a beer or I'm just going to go, you know, whatever, you know, like the doctor's like, well, you should change your habits or you should change the way you eat. And it's fuck that. I'm getting fucking, I live once, you know, like exactly. I want to eat a pizza. I'm going to eat a pizza, right. you know, like, yeah, I eat healthy as most best I can, but I, I'm also not going to just starve myself. Right. You know, cause there, there's, there's no health in that either, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, I just, I wanted to make sure that no matter what I did, I did, um, I did whatever I felt I needed to do to keep myself occupied and my mind off of. Insane. Yeah. And and, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't want to think about it. Right. Like doctor said, it's gone. It's gone. I'm not going to think about it. You know what? It's over with. Let's move on. Right. Did you have to make any changes to your diet, nutrition, um, your physical activity? Other than outside of bed rest. If the doctor's watching, then yes. Yes, I did. I love it. No, no, not really. You know, like I over overall, I eat very healthy. Like I, you know, I'm I have a very very Italian diet. You know, like I eat a lot of pasta, I eat a lot of you know carbs. You know, and but then I also I love burgers and pizza. You know, and I I love beer and I love, you know, I love nachos and I love going out for wings. You know, like I just if I feel like eating something, I'm gonna eat it. Right. I'm not gonna worry about whether or not it's healthy for me at that particular moment. You know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hurt myself. Just because I feel like, oh, I shouldn't be having that because, you know, it's the middle of the week and I don't deserve it because I haven't burned enough calories or some bullshit. You know, like I'm not, I'm not going out to do a fitness show. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't care, you know, like. So. But although you've been fit for 
as long as I've known you. Yes. Well, I use that. <laughs> How as do you an manage that? To, I use that as an excuse to eat whatever I want. <laughs> I think I think you're one of those people who are just blessed with an incredible metabolism. Yes. Very fortunate that way. So, having been through such a tumultuous experience in life, mm. would you say that you're the same person today as you were in your 20s? No, God, no. And I don't think anybody can say that truthfully. You know, I was having this discussion with somebody the other day, and with everything that's going on in the world, now I'm not going to touch on that, but with everything that's going on in the world right now, you know, Anybody that thinks that you are the same person when you're, say, 12 years old, mm -hmm. that you are when you're 20 years old, you're not. You're not the same person at 40 as you are at 20. You're just, you're not. Because life changes. And as such, the way you react to life changes. Right. Right? And as you mature in life and as you go through your journey, you realize that the things that you thought were important when you were 20, they're not. Well, that's because you experienced so much more between 20 and 40, exactly. right? So you are much more dynamic. You perceive things differently. Um, and I think... But but the fact, you know, like caring what other people fucking think about you. Yeah, true. That's out the window. Right. You know, like I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, like I'm done with that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're 20, you want everyone to like you. You mm -hmm. want to be the most popular person in the room. You know, like... You want to you want to feel like you're a god, like you, you, you're invincible. You, you hit thirty, you have a couple injuries, you realize you're not invincible. Yeah. You know, you you get you get sick later in life. You have some kids, you realize they're not invincible. Right. And if they're not invincible, then you're not invincible. Right. And you know, like everything in life changes, and you go through these. You go. I I I call them. You know, like you you go through these milestones in life. You know, from zero to five is a massive growth experience, right? From the time you're an infant to the time that you're a toddler, right? Like my, and you see it when you have kids, you see how they change. And then when you go from five to 10, you know, and then 10 to 15, you know, 15 to 20, think about it. If I, Could you imagine being the same person that you are in high school at 15 years old, say grade nine, as you are at 20? I would not be in a relationship. Right, <laughs> exactly, right? Because all of a sudden you're like, you're 20 years old, you can drink, you can vote, you you can you can smoke if you want to. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do all these things all of a sudden that you couldn't do at 14, 15 years old. You know, so your your perception of life, your perception of the world changes. And that perception, that that changing of the world, that changes who you are fundamentally. And you know, you will always have certain things in life that you kind of were born, you, you raised with, you know, and those guidelines that you, you kind of try to stick to, right? Like, I want to be a good person. You know, some people, you know, their, 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 their beliefs, you know, their, their religious beliefs are a big part of them. But I used to try to watch how I fucking spoke around people. I, I don't do that anymore. I don't even care. I don't even, fuck, I don't even, I don't even watch how I speak around my kids. You know, like I just say, look, whatever you do, don't swear in front of your mom and don't swear at school. You know, like outside of that, like, I don't give a shit. You <laughs> yeah. know, like I just don't. And if, if I'm going to go outside and I'm going to listen to some music. If my neighbors don't like it, I don't fucking care. I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit, you know, but I'm not going to go out there to intentionally irritate, sure. you know, as well. So I'm not the same person. Cause when I was 20, I would go out looking for fights. I would go out looking to irritate people. I would go out thinking that 
my life was more important than everybody else's life, you know? And that's just how you are in the early 20s. Sure. You know, everybody's like that. Why, why do you think social media is the way it is? It, it just, it feeds off the narcissism off these young kids, right? It just does. And I look at it and I go, God, man, fuck, was I like that? <laughs> you know, oh my God, I can't even, I, I would hate myself right now. Like, I want to slap myself. <laughs> You know, like if, if I would, if me, younger me lived beside me now, I'd probably beat the shit out of younger me. But like, bro, turn that would fucking, be an interesting fight. Yeah. Like, like, turn your fucking music down, man. Shut up. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear it. my kids are sleeping. You know, shut up. You know what I mean? I love it. But that said, you had an incredible childhood. I did. Um, and I, I'm not talking about the childhood trauma, but, yeah. going, you know, in high school, and you mentioned right after high school, yeah. you pursued something incredible. Can you tell us a little bit about that musical journey? I'll oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, the band. You know, it was funny because, like, I taught myself how to play guitar. Now, I'm not going to say I played very well. I'm not, I'm not going to I'm not going to say I'm a great guitar player. I, I'm an okay guitar player, you know, like... I can have my fun, but some, for some reason I was able to write music, you know, and I don't know where that came from. And I remember I always wanted to be in a band. And so this would have been the late nineties, you know, grunge rock was everywhere. Everybody, you know, bands were blowing up, you know, Our Lady Peace was getting really big, uh, airplay at the time. And, you know, emo bands were starting to pick up and, you know, pop punk was starting to become a thing, you know, Blink-182 and shit like that. Right. And so I was like, oh, you know, like, I want to do this. <laughs> you know, and I had, oh my God, I had these pants. I had these jeans. I, I called myself Astro Boy. They were so <laughs> fucking big that you couldn't see my feet when I walked. So like, it looked like I was gliding across the ground like this as I walked. You couldn't see my knee bend because they were so baggy. Right? And they, they, they were a 32, like a 31 waist, but they, they went from a 31 waist and they just went boom out like that. I wish she still had these Oh pants. my God, they were so bad. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Anyways, that was the style then, right? And, I, and I, I wanted to be in a band so bad. And I, I remember I was at this party and I met a couple guys and they were looking for a rhythm guitar player. And I'm like, well, I could do that. You know? And they're like, well, why don't you come do a tryout? So I went to this guy's basement, tried out, and he had a band, and the band was called Bluish. 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 Okay. Not 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 quite blue. It was blueish, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and he 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 was an amazing songwriter, like absolutely phenomenal. Shit singer, like absolute shit singer. Like, did you guys hire a singer or? No, no, he was the singer. Okay, yeah, got it. Mm -hmm. And so. <laughs> You know, and I did backup vocals and he wanted me to play more bass and then sometimes the rhythm. And so we recorded an album and we were doing a lot of shows. We were doing shows at the Alma Combo. We were doing shows at the, you know, the 360. We were doing shows at the Horseshoe Tavern, you know, trying to get, just trying to get noticed. Right. And I'll never forget. We were, we were playing a show actually in Hamilton and there was this, there was this record label called Sonic Onion. And the owners of that record label used to be part of, they had a band called Tristan Psionic. A lot of people don't know them, but they found Trouble Charger. Do, I, do you remember Trouble Charger at all? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Tr Trevor Charger was a great band. And so they actually first signed with Sonic Onion and they were Sonic Onion's like first big breakout band. And then they had a couple other bands, uh, Oh, there's this other asshole I got into a fight with. Fuck, he was such an arrogant prick. He, I, oh, I can't remember his name. 
if I, if, if, if I said his name, people would know it. And I can't remember because he, he pissed me off so much. He was such a douche. But, you know, like, that's another story. But anyway, so we were at this show and iMagazine was there. Now, iMagazine was this, like, free zine that they used to hand out. And this was before social media. This was before the internet. And this is how bands got noticed. So they would, you know, they'd do the show times at the back of the pages. And, you know, there'd be classifieds. That's how they paid for, you know, to give out the free magazine. There'd be a whole ad area. But they'd do little snippets of upcoming bands you know bands to watch out for well they did a snippet on our band amazing or not <laughs> and they ripped they ripped him they ripped the lead singer apart and in this snippet they said this band would be better if the bass player was ahead of it and he didn't like that that was you no that was me <laughs> he didn't like that at all because it was his band Right. Right. And I felt bad, but at that point he didn't want me in the band anymore. Oh. And, it, and it sucked because we just recorded an album and I'd paid for the whole thing. Cause I was the only one working at the time. So I'd paid for the whole album and I tried to get them to chip in. They couldn't, we had sold these records. I wasn't getting, he wasn't paying me any of the proceeds. And we, we kind of had this falling out, you know, and it, and it sucks, you know, cause I, I really was having a good time, you yeah. know? Um, and I never, I never went into another band. I just, just, I just focused on my career at that point, you know, and I kind of went into sales after that. And it was so weird, you know, to go from, <laughs> from doing these shows, you know, with the long bleached blonde hair and the, you know, the, the flannel and the shirts and the long, big bell bottoms, you know, like. You have that... to send me these photos, Tyler. <laughs> oh, fuck no. I ain't sending nobody those fucking photos, man. I my mom's got them, and I swear to God, if she ever finds them, because I know they're hidden in that fucking house of hers somewhere in a box, and they're bad. Like, they are they are the worst 90s shit. Like, if you can imagine, oh, what would be a band if you were to look back? Oh, my God. Do you remember, what was it, Joe? Oh, my God. What was Serial Joe? Serial Joe. Yeah, do you remember? There was a band called Serial Joe. That was what I looked like. Okay, <laughs> except instead of spiky hair, I had the long bleached blonde hair, right? I got to get in touch with your mom. I'm sorry. Oh my sorry. God, no. Please God, no. <laughs> I, at one point, like, I remember I was, I was bingo, I was putting bingo dabber in my hair. Does yeah. that even stay? Not when it rains. <laughs> Not when you sweat. But up until that point, you're good. Because I, I had like really blonde hair and I don't know why I bleached it even more, but then Sometimes I get bored of the bleach, so I'd go to the dollar store and I'd buy a bingo dabber and I'd color my hair with bingo dabber and go to school, like purple hair, pink hair, blue hair. But sometimes I'd accidentally hit it too hard and it'd leave a spot on my skull. And you can see it through my hair. The 90s was a weird time, man. Oh, man. Your 90s sounds really different from my 90s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yours sounds like so much more fun. It, it, was, it was, yeah, 90s was a good time. I admire everything that you've been through. Um, is there anything in your entire journey that you look back at and would want to change? No. No. Because I wouldn't be where I am now without all of that happening. Agreed. If I change something, just one thing in my past, the chances, the ripple effect of that may have completely changed where I am, maybe I don't have my three kids, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I'm not with Shannon, you know, maybe I'm not where I am. And I, I couldn't, I wouldn't risk where I am now just to make a small change in my past. I agreed. Yeah. 
That's that's a very powerful statement. And I think for individuals who go through trauma, it's really hard to see a way out of it when you're in the thick of it. A hundred percent. But I want to remind our listeners and any individuals who are struggling at this very moment, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is. And when you get there, you start to appreciate where you came from. Yeah. You just need to get there. Yeah. So like Tyler, get it, get, push getting, through. getting there is the hardest. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I give you so much credit for having been able to push through that. Not everyone can do it um, the way you did. Yeah. You know, so uh, like I said earlier, like congratulations on, on being able to push through your journey, but just your, your entire life, you know, there, you definitely had a lot of challenges um, getting to where you are now, but like you're, like you said, that is why you are who you are today. Yeah. And, and it's why I'm able to appreciate life the way I do. Exactly. Yeah. What is the most helpful lesson that you feel you've taken away from your childhood trauma, your experience, essentially, you know, having a falling out with the band and being diagnosed with cancer? Uh, I would probably say that life just keeps going, you know, doesn't stop for it, you. Do, it doesn't, it doesn't stop because you're having a bad day. Right. What are your thoughts on therapy? psychotherapy, psychology, someone that you can speak to who's unbiased about what you're going through. Someone yeah, I mean, look, for, for people that don't have, I, 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 there's people out there, they don't have anyone. Right. You know, they don't have, you know, they're, they're, they're introverted. They're, they, they hide at home that maybe they don't have family. Different maybe they fall out. Yeah. The family's not here. Maybe their family's passed. Maybe they're alone. Maybe they don't have anybody. They don't have a lot of friends, you know, like I, I get that, you know, so I think, I think that kind of therapy can be very beneficial to them. You know, I was lucky I didn't need that. Now saying that I needed it when I was younger though, mm. you know, and I, I went through many therapists. <laughs> they, they, the therapist did not like me. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did art therapy, which, you know. I didn't even hear of that before. What you, is that? What is never that? Never heard of art therapy? No. Oh, for fuck's sake. So, okay. So they fucking thought. That if I drew some fucking pictures, that it would make, they could tell through the pictures that I was drawing what was wrong with me. Huh. Because as a kid, because of, because of the trauma I went through as a kid, I kind of closed up. So did they expect you to draw a stick man with like a dagger in his hand? I did. I drew, <laughs> I drew a lot of violent shit. I okay? shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> I drew a lot of, okay, okay. <laughs> so it so worked. Here's, yeah, <laughs> It didn't, it didn't though. Like a lot of the things I drew were because of the comics I was reading. Like I was huge mm, into comics. Like okay. I, I'm a huge comic book nerd. Like I grew up with comics. I'll never forget. Like I was like eight or nine years old and my uncle had moved out of my grandma's house and he left bags, like garbage bags of comics behind. He had moved to BC and he left all his comic books. And my grandma was like, excuse me, if, if you want these comics, they're yours. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> And it was like a treasure trove, right? And then, oh my God, the DC, Marvel, everything. Uh, fucking 50s, 60s, 80s, all, all of it. It was amazing. And it got me, and I, I spent a whole summer reading every comic book. And I started drawing pictures. And there's this one character called the Grim Reaper in Marvel. And he's exactly what you think he is. And it... You know, I drew it with the, you know, his big weapon and blood dripping down. My mom saw it. She thought I must be cracked. 
She thought there was something wrong with me. She thought I was going to be a serial killer. She thought I was like Jeffrey Dahmer or some shit. Oh, you know, like no. it was, oh yeah, it was fucked up. And so I go to the th- art therapy and the therapist is like, so your mom tells me you've been drawing. And remember it's the nineties. They didn't really take their soft approach to people, right? They're like, so my, your mom tells me you draw violent things. Why don't you draw some violent things for me? So I'm like, all right, they want me to draw violent shit. So I'll draw violent shit. <laughs> so I drew all this violent crap. Right? And remember, she told like, you to. Yeah. And that, you know, Operation Desert Storm was on. It was all over CNN. You know, like they, we had just invaded, at, you know, Iraq and shit. You know, Kuwait was being bombed. So it was like a weird, really weird time, you know? And so I drew all this crap. And the therapist turns to my mom and says, Yeah, like there's something wrong with your kid. And and, and when I found out that's what she said, I snapped on the therapist. Like, I Well, you it. know, you knew where, why I was you like, were you fucking it. told me to draw this shit. Right, right. Like, you said, draw something violent. I drew you something violent. Now you're telling my mom there's something wrong with me. Now she wants to send me to more therapy. And I hated therapy. I hated it. How old were you? 14. Yeah. That's a tough time to go through therapy. You know, you're going through puberty as it is. You know, uh... I came from, you know, a, a broken home as it was, you know, my parents had split when I was younger, but you know, at that point in time, my dad wasn't really a part of my life. So like I had this whole saying that he's not a part of my life now either. So like, but you know, I had this whole resentment towards my father because of the shit I was going through, you know, my mom now had a new husband. She had two kids with my, with him. My stepdad was paying more attention to my brother and sister than he was me. So like, I just, I was very angry, right? you know, at 14, very angry. And so I found my outlet outside of martial arts was either A, getting into fights in school or B, drawing violent pictures. And they thought that was, that meant I was going to become a serial killer, you know? And so I remember sitting there with the therapist going, there's nothing wrong with me. What's wrong with you? You know, like I'm okay. The, I When I draw this, it's not because I want to hurt somebody. I just find it cool. I watch, I like war movies. I like, you know, watching that kind of shit. You know, it's all over the news. You know, like, why is it any different than if I'm drawing it? And so, you know, they, they, they completely attacked who I was. And so I went through so many therapists and I remember I was going through therapist after therapist. They tried to get me to stop swearing. They couldn't get me to stop swearing. They still haven't. No, fuck that. They, they, you know, like, I was like, it's not, I'm not going to stop swearing. Like, it's just a fucking word. Like, why are you so offended by a word? Well, you know, and we we're not supposed to talk like that. Go fuck yourself. You know, like, who the fuck are you? Well, I'm a therapist and you're just a kid. Okay, that's great. But your job is to help me. Mm-hmm. You know, your job is not to attack me. And that was one thing. That's, that's why for me, I never found that it worked out. But I know that that, that whole industry and the way they do things has changed a lot. I know it has. And so back to what you were asking, I think, I think there, there's a lot of benefits for people, you know, that have the time and the need to really talk to somebody and are scared to either a talk to somebody they know, or just don't have anyone they talk to. So like you need to talk to somebody. Agreed. So if you have to, if you have to get government assistance to get a therapist then do it, just, just find somebody, just you know? Talk. Yeah. Just talk, man. Or get on a podcast. Or, yeah, or or do this, you know? <laughs> Call up Lemon Said and say, like, I, I have some shit to say, you know? Tyler, mm. what continues to inspire you and why? What continues to inspire me? 
You know, I'll tell you what inspires me. Outside of outside of outside of my my kids, and I know I keep fucking saying them. People are probably tired of me saying them. Not at I, all. I, outside of my kids, I'll tell you what inspires me. What inspires me is seeing my former students do well in life. Students in martial, martial arts. arts. Yeah. So like, it's it's funny. I've I've been teaching. I I taught kids for about fifteen years. So some of those kids now that were like six, seven years old are now having kids. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they've, they've finished, they've got, they've got full-time jobs now. They've got educations and they've got wives. You know, I like, I actually went to a wedding about a year ago of one of my former kids students. It was the most surreal thing. Like I remember this little shit (laughs) as a little six year old kicking me in the shins. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like all the time. And it's like, fuck, man, we're just kids, you got problems, you know? Like, but he was such a good, like, he was overall, he was a good kid, you know? And, and seeing that guy grow over the years and become something, you know, and achieve something in his life, you know? And the fact that I was part of his journey is crazy to me, you know? And that inspires me, mm-hmm. you know, to see these little things, these little, these little people turn into full grown people now and have these lives and know that. You know, and then have them come to me and say, you know, like, Sensei, you did so much for me. You know, you helped me through, you helped me through hard times. You helped me because, you know, the one thing I always made sure is if a student needed to talk to me, I was always there for them. No matter what. No matter what they needed to talk to. If they needed to talk to me about their parents, for example, like, you know, because they just needed an outlet, you know, I was there for them. You know, so I, I would have students that no longer trained for me. They would text me, mm. you know, from university and tell me that they were going through some shit with their girlfriends, you know, or their boyfriends or, you know, I remember one of my former female students, she got into an altercation with her boyfriend and I drove in the middle of the night and beat the shit out of the guy, you know, like. Not recommended by the way. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, he sh- it's just like, they would still. And I hadn't seen this kid in 10 years, you know, like, and they would still reach out. And I remember one, another time I was at a mall, I was at square one and I just hear sensei just yell out in the middle of nowhere. And I turn around and there's one of my old students and he wow. comes running up, gives me a giant hug. Oh. You know, he's like, bro, I haven't seen you in so long. You know, I, I just want you to know, like you would, you're the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing in my life. You know? I love it. So like that inspires me knowing that I, I just had that. Just something, just just a little bit of effect on all these people's lives over yeah, the years, you know? absolutely. And I, I really don't want to, I know you feel like you've kind of exhausted the, the answer, but I don't want to dismiss the impact that your kids have on your life. Tell me a little bit about why they inspire you. Oh my God. My kids are amazing. I, I know every parent says that, but like my, my eldest, you know, uh, she's so artistic and her art is phenomenal and she's, she just, she's such, she loves life and she just, she wants to draw everything, you know? And she, she's always making something mm. like she'll just walk around she'll pick up like the weirdest thing off the ground, like an acorn and a, you know, like a, a, a stick. And then she'll come home and she'll take like a, an egg carton and then she'll make like the craziest looking thing I've ever seen in my life, like this little toy and she'll give it to my son. And, you know, that relationship that the three of them have together is just awe-inspiring to me. 
You know, like my son, every, when they're not, when they're not, my daughters aren't with us. My son just is always like, okay, when is Ellie Lily going to come? You know, Aww. when am I going to see them? Aww. You know, and he just, he just can't wait to see his sisters again, you know, and then they come and they play and like my middle child, um, who's seven, sorry, she's seven now. She is, her and my son are inseparable, you know, and they just, they're always doing things. And, you know, she's like, daddy, you know, like I want to be a singer. I'm like, okay, let's. Whatever you want. You want to sing? Let's sing. There you go. There's your band. Yeah. 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 It's funny because my daughter wants to learn guitar. My other daughter wants to sing. And my son likes the drums. I'm like, Jesus Christ, we're going to be the Hansons. Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> oh, man. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much. No and problem. thanks, Thank everyone, you. for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you again for tuning in. And don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. Bye for now, and don't forget to make lemonade. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical diagnosis or treatment. Listeners are encouraged to seek assistance from healthcare professionals on thelemonsed.com or your nearest healthcare network. Crisis helplines are available to you 24 hours a day. Audio for the Lemon Said podcast was engineered and brought to you by Shoreline Sound Studios. Today's episode is brought to you by Bridge Counseling and Psychotherapy, offering services to couples and individuals, helping them explore their inner selves, discover strengths, and move towards living a life filled with balance and growth. They can help you address anxiety to mood disorders and so much more. For more information, visit bridgepsychotherapy.ca and book your free consultation today.